Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Be Gone. And ladies, I'm excited because today I'm coming to you from Beit Shemesh. And I have a really special guest with me, uh, a lady who I met through Temach. Um, and she's really inspirational and I really think she's awesome. Um, so I'm excited to introduce you guys to Naomi Elbinger. She's an entrepreneur and she's the Director of Development and English Department in La Shomra. She's from Australia, and uh, Naomi, why don't you say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you come from and what your roles are in your family. And Thank you, Rebecca. I'm so happy to be here. I'm also a fan of yours. And Hold the microphone slightly a little bit higher, yeah. Can Perfect. you hear better now? Yeah, better. Clear? Okay. So I'm really excited to be here. I'm also a fan of yours. Thanks. It's so nice to meet you in person. Um, and... To, if I can just tell you a bit about myself, yeah. Um, like you said, I'm an entrepreneur. I've you met me from Temeth. The Temeth right. conference is a huge conference for uh, Haredi religious businesswomen here in Israel, which was, I was one of the founders of the conference. It's now a thousand women. It's pretty uh, awesome. It's pretty amazing. It makes a, this year was huge. It was huge. Um, so that's been going on for eight years, and I've been a big part of the development of that. Um, and I'm, also, in the last couple of years, as you mentioned, I've been involved in the Shomra, which is a project that's very dear to my heart. Um, basically, the Shomra is a non-profit organization. We're the non-profit that's spearheading a major positive shift in environmental awareness, responsibility, and also connection with nature in Israel's Haredi community, which is my own community. Okay, and tell us a little bit what your family looks like. My family? Well, um, Baruch Hashem, I live here with my husband in Ramat Bet Shemesh, which is where we're sitting right now. I'm originally from Australia. My husband's from Detroit. He's American. Um, we've lived here a long time, um, and um, what can I tell you? I'll, I'll tell you a bit about... How many kids do you have? Uh, we have four children, and you're sitting in my house, and I was a little bit nervous about having a, an organizational <laughs> queen over to my house today. Thank, thank God the cleaning lady came. That's, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> do you get that a lot of people like, I do oh, no, I get that a lot yeah people are definitely tempted to clean before I come <laughs> it's true tell us the, the honest truth like when you walk into someone's house for the first time are you like checking out their organizational no, status no no I'm not because I feel like everybody's on a journey and it's like it takes time to get there you can't expect on the first time that you meet me to be oh. at your goal already so no I'm not checking you out That's or right. judging I'm not judging for sure <laughs> <laughs> that's funny judgment free that's me right um okay so tell us about like what's inspired you or what motivates you to reduce your waste and um how does it help you in your day-to-day -day life or does it help you in your day-to-day -day life okay so let's start at the beginning as i mentioned before i grew up in australia in a beautiful city called Sydney. Um, and I think that my story really starts there. Sydney is a pretty different place to, to Jerusalem and Israel. And um, people there have a lot higher level of uh, environmental consciousness than I find here, for sure. And it was just part of part of the world, part of people's accepted reality over there. And, and when I was in uh, fifth grade, or in Australia we'd call it year five, <laughs> um, I had a teacher, one teacher, an English teacher, who was very passionate about um, sea otters. Okay. She, I know she just adopted this as her cause. We don't actually have sea otters in Australia. I think they have them in like California or something. Okay. But she was very into them, 
And she she gave us a couple of lessons where she explained to us, you know, the the problems that sea otters face and um, how they, I think they're endangered. They were then, they certainly are now. <laughs> um, and uh, also in general about marine life. And one of the things she did was she showed us a picture of um, a seal that had gotten like tangled up in one of those uh, those. The bottles, the plastic, these like six from the cans. Holders. Yeah, we come from cans. Australia where people drink a lot of beer, I guess. So that's like a well-known thing. I haven't seen so much here. Yeah, in well, um, it's uh, really popular in America too for regular just soda. Oh, really, to hold yeah. six of them together. To what hold six called? cans together. I don't even know. Six pack holders. Six pack holders. Yeah. Those plastic things. Apparently, it's a real problem. It is a huge problem for seals and sea otters. Yeah, and fish in general. Oh, really? That yeah. they 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 get stuck in them, and they um, they if they get, once they get stuck, they'll basically. They can't breathe. Yeah. They can't eat. They they'll drown. Right. Yeah. And they'll die. So she showed us a picture of a, a dead oh, seal. That's lovely. Stuck in it. <laughs> I was about ten years old at the time. I have to say, I've never forgotten that moment. And I became extremely from that moment. I became extremely, um, let's say, what the What's the word? I'm thinking a Hebrew word. Oh, so you could say it. I can say makpid. Oh yeah, right? you could say that. As makpida, oh. meod, meod never to dispose of plastic irresponsibly. And I remember actually shortly after that being down by the beach with my family and I saw one of those things blowing out of the ocean. I seriously, I cried. I was, it was like <laughs> seal oh, massacres really were taking place right there. It was, it made such an impression on me. And I sometimes think like, you know, there were 30 kids in my class, right? I went to a, like a Jewish day school in Australia. And I don't think that all of them had the same reaction as me. I don't think that all of them are still now 30-odd years later, Traumatized. talking, you know, sharing their, their, their trauma with somebody on, on, on a radio that's going out to however many people they'll ever meet. Um, so I, it was, I think I was probably one of the few kids that was really impacted okay. by that. And that made me, when I think about why that was and why I still remember it and why I still think about it, I just think that it's really just from Hashem. Like Hashem made me that way. He makes all different kinds of people and some people are more drawn to certain areas and others and others aren't interested in that area they might even think it's trivial or you know bizarre why is why is she so worried about seals suffocating why i don't know it's just hashem put that in me and right. I, I also meet other people like that like people who are very concerned with things like a like you know when we have a rabbi coming here to speak for a few days he's devoted his life to encouraging kidney transplants uh-huh. which i'm sure everyone agrees is a very I'm pretty sure nice I heard thing, him speak also. Right? It's yeah. a very, no one's going to argue that kidney transplants and, you know, from community can be encouraged. Um, but, like, most people are not staying up at night or losing sleep. They're not devoting their life. They're not quitting their job. They're not right. risking their whole fa- livelihood to promote kidney transplants. But this guy is, right? Yeah. So his name is Rev Yeshua Haber, I think. Yes, I've heard him speak. Oh, really? He's coming to speak here. He's an excellent speaker, actually. Yeah, I really want to go hear him. Um, and, by the way, mm-hmm. I've heard him speak, but... Um, the from community is actually like the number one giver of kidneys or something like that in the United States because they're and they're very like organized and activated about donating. But there's been a few donations. people that activate it. There's another woman in the U.S. He's in Israel. There's one in the U.S. Chaya Oh yeah, Chaya is great too. Right. I've so had she's activated. She's yeah. she's done a lot. Yeah, she's she done really tons. changed the the scene there. Nobody really thought about it till right. then. But Hashem, she heard about this mitzvah. She wanted to be part of it, and Hashem just put it in her. Right. Right. And in him, and. There's many, there's many small areas. Some women are just like, you know, they're doing everything for colors. Right. You know? And other women, we all care about colors. So you think all, that, right? or do you think reducing plastic is your tough kid or well, saving the environment? Well, I think that, you know, here I am in the community that I'm in, that Hashem also put me in. You know, I'm a Jew and I'm a from Jew, Baruch Hashem. And 
you know, he wants me to be in the community I am, caring about the things that I do, even if it's, it's pretty unusual. Let's it, be is. it is. <laughs> it is. When I talk about it with my neighbors, I very often get blank stares. Yeah, um, I get those too. <laughs> <laughs> but all the ladies here listening today are like, they know about uh, reducing your waste and zero waste and reducing plastic and they're on board and they're learning and so it's good. Like, they're on your wavelength. They're not giving you a blank stare. Wow. Well... Baruch Hashem, that thing's Yeah, true. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> so you and I have that in common, is yeah. that we're both, Hashem switched us onto this, and yeah. we both feel a sense of mission to, like, spread that. And I understand that many people who hear what my message, most of them think it's just, it's very nice. You know, it makes sense. It's nice, right? But, you know, then they move on to the next thing that's very nice, right? right. But I think that wherever I go, there's always a few people that... Are like wow, this really speaks to me. And I work mostly with children because Bush is an organization that works primarily in schools, okay. right? Um, and community centers here in Israel. So it's like that with the kids. A lot of kids are just like, oh, that was a fun activity. Look what I made, mommy, right? This, this, uh, you know, this dolly made out of a pine cone and carob pods, like cool, you know. Okay. Next thing, that's what most kids are like, right? Right. But um, you don't think kids, any of the kids are internalizing the projects you're doing together? Oh, it's very positive. It's very positive. And they love it. And the teachers love it. And their parents love it. It's very positive. I'd say for 95% of the kids, it's a beautiful, positive experience. But of those 95%, I'm saying there's probably about, we'll say, one in five who are, like, really getting into this, right? And I'm talking about the teachers, too, because most of the teachers that we work with in Rosh Hashanah, mm-hmm. um, we've trained over 200 teachers wow. to, uh, to run our, you know, our Torah-based green education program okay. in uh, Haredi schools okay. and kindergartens. Never been done before. I have like um, I've been to these training events. It's incredible in Yerushalayim. You go there. There's teachers from all the Hasidic groups, all the you know, all the mainstream Haredi schools and kindergartens, and we do men's things separately. Obviously, Talmud Torahs, the Rebbe's, and you know, a lot of them are like, "Wow, this is beautiful. Thank you very much." They love the program, but there's some of them just get so into it. We've had quite a few of the teachers who just want to take it to the next level. It switches them on. The same way I was switched on right. by my teacher. And I think that's really what we're doing here, is we're trying to activate people within our community to take the lead. Because, you know, other times, the reality is that, say, greenness, being green, being environmentally conscious, is not associated with being from. In fact, it's often associated with, you know, political views that most from people don't identify with, right? Um, Especially in America, where I think environmentalism is very politicized. Right. Um, being environmentally conscious is considered very left-wing politically. So, but really, there's no reason for that to exist. It's just a, just caring about your environment is not a political statement necessarily. Um, so, what we need to do is is activate people in our community. And I'll tell you something amazing. The Sharma started almost two years ago. Uh, we started working in kindergartens. We're now in. We're now in like 140 kindergarten classrooms in Israel and also some school classrooms. That's really well. amazing. It's really amazing. And now the next step for us obviously is to get into the older grades. We want to be, in, we've been from kindergarten to third grade okay. until now. And starting for the next school year, which will happen in October, probably, um, we want to be in grades four to eight okay. as well, including in Talmud Torahs and Chadarim. And for that to happen, we need a new uh, curriculum that's really it's a whole different level, right? Especially for the boys, everything needs to be completely based. We need to be written by a Talmud right? Okay. It can't be, it can't be like something that we lifted off, you know, Greenpeace's web, website. Right. That's not <laughs> gonna fly, right? So, we were looking for someone to write it, and we found someone incredible. One of the rebbies from one of the Chadarim in Modi'in Elit, who okay. who uh, was helping to implement our program, is just so excited by what we're doing. That That's he's, amazing. That's he's his taken name. on the project. 
I don't know his name. <laughs> okay. I did know it because it was about a month ago that I spoke to him, so it's not coming to my head right now. Um, but he is a, a very connected... Great, if you remember it, just shout it out. I will. I'm not going to remember it on the spot. I can look it up for you. Okay, um, you'll tell he, me and I'll announce He's it. a Tama Chachem, and, he's, and he's, he's writing the curriculum for us because... He is so into what we're doing. And right? does he focus on it from like a Baltashrit aspect or what is the aspect that you are teaching kids in schools? Um, well, he in particular, more so than our program that's for younger kids, mm -hmm. needs to do that. Okay. He can't, you can't say anything to a Haider boy or to a Haider Rebbe that isn't based solidly in Halacha and Sfarim and the, what the major Abanim is saying. Like, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Right, so that's, his job. I'm very excited to, to see what he comes up with. And he also has to do in consultation with, with you know, leading Rabbanim and Godolim and get Haskama for everything that we do. We always get Haskama for everything we do. But he, what well, he's doing... Who gives your Haskama the, right now? Right now, well, we just get... We, we're working in um, six cities in Israel. Okay. I'll tell you what they are. We started in Moedi and Elit. Um, okay. I don't know if everyone's familiar with it. Also called Kirat Sefer. It's a major Haredi city. Um, then from there we went we started that was the first year the second year we expanded to Yerushalayim um B'nai Barak. I don't think anybody who's listening knows where Yerushalayim is <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just kidding ladies <laughs> that's a joke <laughs> yeah there's a few Jews over there yeah um and B'nai Barak also have you probably heard of um Telstone Beit Shemesh here we're in Beit Shemesh now um and Elad okay these are all major Haredi population centers right. um and wherever we go, we get the Haskama of the local uh -huh. rabbinic, Okay, right? um, That's how we've done it until now. The Shomra is, like I mentioned, less than two years old, and we've grown at an unbelievable pace. And that is really due to the demand. Right? The demand, still these days when I speak to people about it, they're like, really? Like people, like, it sounds nice, but like, really? Like people actually want that? Schools want that? Principals want that? Parents? I'm like, yes, yes. So what are some of the things you do with the kids? Okay, so we have, we have a program that lasts 24 weeks, right? It's basically the whole school year. Okay. And there's like an indoor component and an outdoor component. Okay. Indoor, we're learning about, we're just like introducing these concepts. Okay. When you talk about waste, like, let me tell you a really interesting story. When I first heard about La Shomra, I was like, wow, that sounds great. Like, I, you know, I've always been switched on to this. I've never seen it in the Haredi community before. I would like to volunteer. So I have a business, I build websites, that's my company. So I offered to build their website, something that I could do very easily. But um, once I got started to learn more about them, that's when I realized like, no, I don't just want to build this website. I want to be this organization, I want to be part of it. And the, the, the change, the moment that where I realized that was this, right? So I met with the founder of the organization, his name is Abishai Himmelfarb, and he um, showed me their uh, the, like the teacher training booklet that they have that they give to all the teachers that they're working with and it has like you know lesson by lesson it's like the lesson plans of the whole curriculum okay right and there it was in lesson number one right they're talking about waste okay that's where it starts do they talk about the plastic rings in lesson one almost <laughs> it, that would have been too freaky right this is, this is freaky enough what actually happened they had they they tell this story it's the gilgolo shells like plastic right it's okay the, the the destiny Life of cycle. a plastic bag, yeah. you call it, right? Um, so what happens is there's a story of this, these kids, they're eating some bomba, they're Israelis. So they're eating bomba and they finish um, with the packet and they just like toss it out the window 
right? That happens here every day. Frequently, yes, <laughs> yes. it's a common problem. Right? And they, they forget about it, right? And then we get, to see, we get to see what happens to the plastic bag after it gets tossed. What happens to and it? And it like blows in someone's face and bothers them. And um, I have to say, I've told this story to kids and I always embellish it. I make it so great. I mean, like, <laughs> Carla having her photos taken and then she's like, oh, beautiful. And then suddenly it Bumper packet blows in her face, and like and she's like, covered in peanut butter crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> and like she's so upset. Like I'm embellishing when I'm telling it to the kids, yeah. but the basic story is, yeah. Um, and then someone slips on it, and then it blows out to the sea, which is what happens to so much of our plastic. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. It's a big problem. Sea here, the Mediterranean Sea, blows out where it's it's, it's swallowed by a sea turtle, um, and it's sea turtle suffocates. Um, and then in the booklet itself, they have. Pictures. They have pictures oh, yeah. of sea turtles. Suffocating. Two of them, right? I could show it to you. It's, it was, yes. Oh, I, that's terrible. <laughs> it must be really terrible. It's like the plastic rings on the seal. Exactly. For, but you know yeah. what? That's what, that's what sometimes you just need to show a wake up call. Yeah. Like yeah. when you're talking about a serious problem, like, eh, what do I, you mentioned, if you mention a sea turtle, they've never seen a sea turtle, right? right? Like they don't know what you're talking about. But like when you see a beautiful sea turtle, Unfortunately, that is reality. Yeah, Here in Israel, is. there's a sea turtle population that's been almost decimated by plastic, right? So, um, Too bad it's not the jellyfish, right? <laughs> well, yeah, the jellyfish are part of the problem. Yeah. They look like plastic bags. So they're trying to eat jellyfish, but they end up eating bomber packets. And um, bomber packets, we actually show that bomber packets are not see-through like, like jellyfish. No, they're but, not. But yeah. if they sit in the water for, I think, two weeks, they will turn completely see-through. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. You taught yes. me something new. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, so seeing that, when he showed me that picture, I was just like, I was just like, wham. I was like in fifth grade again, thinking like, here I am. <laughs> and I, know, I knew that this program is, is a real thing, right? It, it's, it's got a lot of real educational content, right? Okay. But it's also a very hands-on. That's just the indoor part of the program is that we're learning about where um, our waste goes. Where our waste goes. What is waste? Just the concept. Because people don't think like that about their bumper packet. Like you've just never given it any thought. You know? So you never thought of it as waste because you never thought of it at all. Right. Right? So just opening up that kind of awareness. And beyond that, we talk about recycling. We talk about water. Water in Israel is a big deal. Right? It is. But I don't think the average child has awareness of it, but they need to. Like turning off your water when you brush your teeth. Right. Which we spoke about here a few weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah, I did mention that a few weeks ago. <laughs> I, and I, I was saying how I am sometimes not even conscientious that I forget, like, oh, while well, I'm brushing my teeth, I, it's, I'm so used to the water flowing out of the tap that you just don't even think about that there might be a shortage or that you might not have enough. Yeah, well, let me tell you. Um, I think that there's, I mean, the Shomas program is definitely a Torah-based program, and it's really different than the other, say, other kinds of green programs that are out there, say, what I grew up with was not a Torah-based program. Right. Um, it didn't exist in those days. Right. I just had this one teacher who was into it. It wasn't right. part of our curriculum or anything. Um, but let me tell you, uh, from the research shows that one of the main problems with environmental education that's out there in the world, not in the Haredi community, is okay. that it causes a lot of anxiety in children. Does it? Yes, because as you can imagine, if you were seven years old and someone tells you about climate change, right, and that... You know, we haven't talked about climate change here, but well, anything or that any problem, such as the waste problem, the fact that right. landfills are overflowing and that we're running out landfills. And here in Israel is a very small country, and it's Eretz Hakodesh, right? And yeah. landfills here, are, you know, we're just basically trashing 
our homeland. Yeah. Well, actually, a lot of our trash is actually shipped out of Israel. And it's processed in Europe, some of it. Well, the recycling, anyway. Recycling part, yeah, but yeah. unfortunately, it's a small amount. Very small amount, of, unfortunately. Most yeah. of the trash is going in the Negev. Right. Um, and even over here, not far from Beach Amish, we have a, a nice yeah. giant bump over there. It's called the Kharovit Waste Processing Site. Isn't that a nice name? Yeah, lovely. Kharovit <laughs> <laughs> means a, a carob tree. So yes. It just sounds so natural and wonderful. But, but really, <laughs> if you would ever go there, you have to hold your nose within like a mile away. So. Um, so it causes a lot of anxiety because kids just feel helpless. Like we're all helpless against these problems. But yeah. imagine how a seven-year-old feels. Like they're really there's really nothing. That right. Because how can they sway their parents? Right. It's just like they just feel like basically we're telling them, guys, by the time you grow up, this place is going to be like, you know, yeah, a wasteland. That welcome to your your adulthood. Start praying for Mashiach now, right? <laughs> It's often extra hard. <laughs> it causes a lot of anxiety, and I really feel that one of the amazing things about having a Torah-based environmental program is, is that we believe that Hashem's running the world. And if there's, if there's environmental problems in our planet, He willed them to be. It's not, we didn't... I mean, create, it's our fault. Well, like many things, yeah. like many problems, you know, we have to take responsibility. Okay. If a person, you know loses their money because they made a bad business decision, right? It's, it's also their fault, and it's also from the show. Yeah, it's gum right? gum. It's both. It's like that yeah. whole delicate Chicken and egg, thing which comes that, first. You know, that no, none of our rabbinim can ever completely explain to us, but they can give us a lot of insight, and often we can find insights that are very helpful to us right. and strengthen our amunah. But obviously, it's a mystery. No one really knows right. how Hashem runs the world. Um, and it's the same with environmental problems. Really, they're also our fault, and they're also... From Hashem. From Hashem. Right? I agree, 100%. And when you, when you say that, then I think that it gives a lot of a... It gives, it's like, like all the problems we have in the world, we can cope with them better, right? Right. We can sleep at night, we can trust in Hashem, and we can use them rather than as a way to feel despair and just like give up, which I sometimes see in, in like the secular environmental community. Like people are just so... They, they almost like hate themselves because like, they are the problem. Right. But they also don't... It's hard to rationalize like how one bag of trash, how... How you producing less trash will actually make it better. And, like, your improvements don't seem to be enough. It's true. Well, I mean, as Jews, though, you could say that about every, every good deed we do. You That's know, true. say there's so many poor children out there. Like, what's it really going to do if I donate this 20 shekels to that fund? Like, it is not going to solve the poverty problem of this country. Right? Not fun. But, but you're doing believe, your part. Exactly. We believe that, you know, Hashem sends us, hits us over the head with problems because he wants us to wake up, to right. change, right? Right. To do to do the right thing and then trust in him that he's gonna take care of us. Right. right? We just do what we can. Um, there's a I mean I often feel that about my work with Ashramara. Like, am I really solving these problems by being their director of development in their English department? Am I really like gonna change things? Um, you will. It's slowly. So. Yes. Lots, like... Exactly, but not I'm not gonna solve it overnight or even in my lifetime, single handedly. Do right. you? Well, it depends. I mean, do you guys talk to kids about, like, consumption in addition to waste? So, for example, like, a big tenet of organization for me is, I'm just going to swing it back to organization for one minute, yeah. is that in order to um, be organized, you have to reduce your waste. Because if you look around your home and you really see, like, what's cluttering your home and what's causing you to have clutter, it's waste. Mm -hmm. um, and so if we can change our consumable habits, like um, buy less chad pami or buy less clothing or buy less stuff, just stum, like reuse your backpack for two years or 
buy a slightly larger size of coat and let a kid use it for two years instead of switching out a coat every year or something like that. Just consuming habits. Do you teach those to kids or that's not part of the curriculum? That actually is not currently our curriculum. I think that's something more suitable for older children. Mm -hmm. Something I've thought about personally. I'll tell you why though. Not connected to Lushamara. Just because I run business, Mm -hmm. as I said, we build websites for marketing business. Websites are marketing tool, right? And I've dealt a lot with marketing for my clients. And they always ask me marketing questions, right? Um, And and I'm often, as someone who understands marketing very well, I sometimes wish that I could like go into Basiakov's and like explain to these girls what marketing is because they're, they're marketing victims. And I'm the marketing perpetrator, right? Because <laughs> I build, I help clients market to them, right. to the mothers, the right. parents, right? And eventually them, right, effectively, which basically means convince them to buy stuff, right? And I think that every human being, especially in our community, should should be aware of the tactics that marketers use to make them feel like they should buy something. Okay. Right? That's just my own personal thing. I've often had this dream. I want to go into a basic arc of school, just a local one here across the street. I want to bring in these, what we have in these, we have like, every day my mailbox is stuffed with these advertisers. Yeah. Have them. I think they have them in America too, right? They have them. Yeah, right. It's just ads, 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 like the latest style, the collection, the color that's yeah. in for this, you know, for your Yontav outfits this year, for your kids. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story about that one. Right, and I wish I could just say, like, look at look at the way you know they say the words they use: exclusive, exclusive, collection. You know, you know those kinds of things. Like, you'll get compliments, and like, like why why are they using this? Let's just understand the language that's used and what what they're trying to do. If people are are aware, like they don't have to be victims of it. Like, I think it would. I think there needs to be more education about that because I think that. Because marketing to the from world is a new thing, right? The explosion of these kinds of magazines is really only the last 10 to 15 years, uh-huh. right? People are, not, are a bit naive mm-hmm. about like, they're just easy prey for marketers. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. And like, I heard that. Yeah. But it's funny, actually, one of them called me and asked me to advertise <laughs> my organization business in them. Mm-hmm. And they were very, very proud of the fact that they wrapped the magazine in plastic. <laughs> and I said to them, you know what? I'm not going to. I'm not going to advertise in your magazine because you wrap them in plastic. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I just can't get behind somebody that's wrapping something in plastic. Plus, so many people are not going to recycle the magazines. I'm just going to stick to the way I advertise now, which is mainly by word of mouth, because I just can't, I can't get behind it. And he was shocked. To say the least, he's never heard of such a concept. And he was like, what? You don't like that it's wrapped in plastic? And I'm like, no, I really don't. (laughs) And he was really, really shocked. Anyway, um, Naomi, I read a really interesting story in one of your blog posts about um, when one time when you had a flat tire. Oh, yeah. Can you tell us (laughs) that story? That was last circus. We were driving to visit my uh, my parents-in-law. Um, and you know we heard that ominous thud 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 that's like not a good sound. Yeah. <laughs> so we pulled over the side of the highway, and um, and for some reason my husband was having a very hard time getting that tire off, and um, I don't know they tighten the knots too much. Yeah. So we were all saying just a side wait. This is just a, a side a tip. I leave a can of WD forty in my car. In case of an emergency like that, it comes in really handy. And actually, I've had to use it on my lug nuts before when I've changed a flat tire. So just an organization (laughs) tip. Leave a really, you can buy them in a really small can. Leave a can of WD-40 in your emergency kit in your car. (laughs) 
That's an amazing tip. I definitely want to do that <laughs> after this experience. Anyway, so the highway, because it was a highway, the cars were really going fast down the highway. Like, it was dangerous. I took all my kids out of the car. Around Fishesh? I wasn't Fishesh. Oh, okay. some road near here. Okay. But I took all the kids out of the car, and I wanted to take them away from the edge of the road so that we wouldn't right. be near the whooshing cars. So, but once I got away from the edge of the road, what I discovered was just so much garbage. <laughs> it's, it makes me really, really sad to see so much garbage in Israel. Oh it's like it's like we're polluting Hashem's land. It really it makes me very sad. I know it's true. It's it's different. It's I mean it's, it shouldn't happen anywhere, but it's true in Eretz Israel. Like the the amazing schus that we have to be in this land. Like um, and it is so beautiful, and it is it is extremely depressing. Yeah, to, it is. It really makes me sad to, to see, see garbage. The garbage. And a lot of people say this to me. Like, the first thing people say to me when I tell them about Lashimra, they're like, I hope you're doing something about the garbage. Like, it's really noticeable also, like, after a Chag, like a two-day Chag or Chag and then Shabbos, when you see the trash bins, like, overflowing everywhere. And you see things that we do recycle in Israel, like plastic bottles, so readily uh, oh just thrown away. And actually, in my... <laughs> The, the people in my Beit Knesset, they laugh at me because at the end of the Kiddush, we're one of the only Beit Knesset in Haifa that have a Kiddush every Shabbat. And I, on purpose, don't drink from the bottles because I don't want to use a Chad Pami cup and I, I don't really partake of the Kiddush at all. But I'm standing there schmoozing afterwards and at the end I go and I collect all the plastic bottles and take them to the recycling bin because if I don't, then everybody will just throw them in the trash bags. And they all laugh at me and I don't care. That's true. You just have to be like, I don't care if you laugh at me. Because after 120, like, I want to stand in front of Hashem and be like, yeah, I did the best I could. Um, and I just feel like throwing those things that we recycle and that we easily recycle in Israel, um, to throw them in the garbage is just not my best. Um, okay, wait, I didn't let you finish It's kind of similar to my story, what you're saying, which yeah. is basically what happened when I was standing by the side of the highway with my kids is I, I just started collecting all the trash, right? Um, we just feel, I can't remember how many bags, a lot of bags was of trash. We were there for like 20 minutes, right? And um, a lot of it was recyclable. Actually, my, my kids collect the, you can get like a deposit back. Yeah, the picadon, yeah. 30 other up back. So my kids collect that. So they must have made like 20 shekels. Really? Like, wow. So That's a lot. Trash. Yeah. A lot. Well, the beer bottles are worth more. They're exactly. worth like a, a shekel 50. <laughs> <laughs> and just, and then we just, we collected, and, you know, I saw a lot of people were like slowing down and they weren't slowing down to help my husband. They were like slowing down to find out like, what are these weird people doing? Like, <laughs> I was like all dressed up as sukkahs and my shaitel and I was looking very nice, but like, I just... I just can't, I cannot sit there by the side of the road when, you know, I'm just sitting there, there's nothing else for me to do, and not do something. I was at the beach, the separate Ashdod beach, last week, and, and it was towards, like, the lifeguards were going home, people were starting to yeah. pick up, and I just went there, I picked up tons of plastic, I was right there on the beach, I was thinking about those turtles, believe me, right? <laughs> and I just, people were staring at me, like, seriously, like, I must be... I must be some sort of... In that case. Maniac. Yeah. Maniac. Like, why would a normal person bother? You know? And I did, but what, like, what do I care? Like, seriously, like you said. There's a quote from Rabbi Nachman Breslov, right? Oh, is Um, that your phone? Yeah, I don't want to answer it though, but... (laughs) That's okay. Um, sorry about that. So there's a quote from Rabbi Nachman Breslov. Oh, it gets louder. (laughs) Just in case you didn't hear it. (laughs) (laughs) You must have a sing for everybody, it's a message. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, you can keep talking. Um, Okay. 
says this story, the quote from Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, which is, Adam ma'amin sheyochim lekakel, yochalim letaken, something like that, right? Okay. Tamin sheyochalim letaken, right? Okay, so that we're required to fix it. if you believe that you can break it, like I said before, it's only a belief that we believe that we have, we have messed up this environment, right? right? It's just a belief. We can't prove it that it wasn't all Hashem's plan, right? But we, we know it's, it's obvious, right? In Derech HaTeva, right. that we are doing it. That's us and nobody else, right? So we believe that we can believe that we can fix it, right? That's another statement of Amuna, right? And what can we? How can we fix it? We can just do our bit, right? I can right. be on the beach picking up plastic and throwing it away. The bins weren't that far away, and that—that's my statement of Amuna, right? And it doesn't matter if people will stare at me. Like, what do I care? Like, I'm—I believe. I'm a believer. Excellent. Yeah. So tell us about some uh, small things or big things that you're doing in your home to reduce your waste. Okay. Well, what so are steps that you have taken to make a positive impact to reduce your personal level of trash? Um, okay. So I'll tell you about some of the steps. I have to admit, as soon as you said that, I got this like feeling of insecurity. Oh, no. <laughs> because like, I feel like people are going to think I'm slightly nuts that I do these things. Because no, no, they heard what I do, so I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, I'll start with a more simple example. Do a okay. simple example. Okay. So, but we, we have bought ourselves like proper water drinking bottles. Okay. Like the good kind, which I never wanted to use. I always thought the idea was gross. Okay. Because like, you know, doesn't it get like sticky and smelly? But I've discovered that if you get a good quality one, it really doesn't. Yeah. It's actually much nicer than drinking from a regular disposable water bottle or a cup, yeah. right? So I can just take that with me everywhere. I really enjoy it compared to like getting plastic cups everywhere. And let me tell you, it really gives you a feeling of satisfaction. Like, I think it gives my kids a feeling of satisfaction as well. Like when you mentioned like reusing something. Yeah. Like getting a bigger a school bag you can use for two years. Yeah. Like just washing it or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think my kids feel like a sense of like, it's just like they're, they're doing something good. Hang on, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. Hold on. Okay, so we need to take a brief break, but now we're back, and I'm just going to remind everybody, um, for us more for than for you guys, um, that we were talking about uh, steps that you're taking in your home, and you were talking about reusable water bottles. Right, yeah. So I, we enjoy them, and I really feel I get a sense of satisfaction. I feel my kids get that sense. Can you tell us what brand you use? Um, Contigo. Conquito. Okay, ladies, Naomi's going to send me a link and I'm going to put it up on um, Balagon Be Gone forward slash AK. And I actually just updated that part of my website to um, show some extra things that I'm using as per, per your requests. So um, check out the website if you have access to the internet. And okay, what other things are you okay, so now doing? I'll give, a, I'll give one more example, which is a little bit like maybe more unusual for people. Okay. If you look out your window over there, you yeah. have my window still. I live, just so you know, I live in a small rental apartment. We don't really have like a porch or anything or a garden. So, but we're experimenting now with growing stuff here. Um, also, hydro tomatoes. Hydroponically, those are tomatoes. Um, yes, my son's growing those cherry tomatoes. Aren't yeah. they doing amazing? Can yeah, they look it? great. They look so delicious. I want to eat them all right They're now. really good, right? Even though they're um, not ripe ones. Look but delicious. what's actually, tomatoes is something that I have experience growing with, and it's very easy to do, and just always comes out good as long as you water it especially in Israel's climate. Oh, is that lettuce? But that's celery over there. Oh. We just harvested a whole bunch. We're growing We're growing greens. We're trying to grow bug-free greens. Okay, that's now, awesome. Um, do they have them in America? I'm sure they do, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. so here in Israel, they, they grow them um, in greenhouses to reduce 
bargain fed stations so that you can eat them without spending hours and hours checking them, right? Right. Um, so we, they're all growing hydroponically. That's how they grow them. That means they grow in water, not in soil. Okay. They produce the amount of bugs. Also not growing them in the ground. Here we're one, we're one flight up. Right. right. So we've been experimenting with it. And how's and it going? This, I mean, this is summer. You can't really grow too many greens in the summer. They like the winter. But in the cooler yeah. times, and it was incredible. Incredible. We've been growing all kinds of greens, and we eat them. And I, I, tr I do check them for bugs. But seriously, there's no bugs. Well, that's awesome. There's nothing. Right? So that saves on the plastic packaging that you would yeah, normally get in a salad, a bag of salad. The plastic packaging there is intense. Like, you get one yeah. little bunch of parsley and it's like a giant yeah it's a really bag. huge bag here right. in Israel um, and sometimes you don't want a whole bunch of parsley right, right? you just um, need a few pieces yeah um, and celery too you know the celery bunch is like seriously yeah what are you going to do with that much <laughs> like, just chop so actually I freeze I freeze all the leaves mm -hmm. and when I make soup I, I put those in my chicken soup yeah well you yeah. just need like two stalks for chicken soup right um, or any kind of soup no well we eat the stalks and I just uh, put the leaves in the my leaves. soup yeah, my mom always says. And then so. I put them in like a bag and I pull them out. Celery leaves clear up your soup. She always says you have to put them in. They clean it up. I don't. I never knew exactly what she meant, but I just oh, I strain it, it afterwards. She says make it clear the chicken soup. I don't know. Yeah, it makes it clear when you strain it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, that's cool. It's I like great. that. Um, and it's fun. And now Bezrash and we're moving to a bigger place, and we're planning to get a much bigger hydroponic set up than we have now. We have oh, are you going to do it like a covered, like a greenhouse kind we're of thing? You're going to get cover? covered, right. Wow, that's cool. Do, we're going to have a, an insect net. I've already found the unit I want. It has an insect net and then on top of that has a plastic cover so you can grow in the winter. That's summer, awesome. So you can change the climate. And that is... Will you compost in your new house? Um, bears around the for sure. In my old Excellent. place, I used to compost. It's very... It's just amazing. Like, just the idea. Ravolbi also says it. He says this, that like, our children today lack a feeling of accomplishment. So everything's just given to them. Like when you buy something with money, like it's just given to you and you don't really have any sense of accomplishment, especially kids because they didn't earn the money either. Right. Right. It's really, he says, it's really robbing the kid of the experience of, of like just going through a process of seeing something, of making something happen, doing it themselves and then having it. Right. And I feel he, he says specifically that he thinks that that damages kids' self-esteem. Um, and I think that that's, an experience that I've had that I've seen with my own kids like my son is growing those tomatoes and he doesn't even like tomatoes but <laughs> we like tomatoes and the, yeah. the, the sense of accomplishment that he has and the excitement that he feels and oh we see this in La Chambre all the time actually one of the amazing things that we didn't plan for in La Chambre that's come out of it is that kids are trying vegetables more right because uh -huh. if you grew, that's huge if you grew that carrot right it's you're willing appealing. to give it a try. He right. gave the tomato a try, actually. Uh -huh. And then you might discover that carrots aren't so iffy as you thought. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's funny because my boys are also growing tomatoes, mm -hmm. and my one of my sons is allergic to tomatoes. No. And he's still, like, super into it. And he's like, Mommy, can I try it anyways? And I'm like, I don't really think that's a good <laughs> idea. But you can if you want to go to the Kupat Cholim today. Absolutely. I mean, the the, be the beautiful vegetables that they grow is just unbelievable. They can't, you should see the smiles on their faces when we pick them. And also, we grow kohlrabi, yeah. a vegetable that most kids would not touch with right. a 10-foot pole, right? It's easy to grow, especially in the winter. Okay. Um, and so one of the Ganana, one of the kindergarten teachers was telling us that like she, like they harvested like six gorgeous, beautiful kohlrabis and all the kids were like, oh. And she's like, okay, you don't have to eat it. I'm just going to sit here and eat it with the assistant. Like, it's fine. Yeah. You guys don't eat it. So they cut it up into sticks and they started eating it. And the girls were like, 
some of the girls were like, oh, okay, maybe I'll try a little bit. And then yeah. in the end, she said, all the girls tried it. And like, a lot of them were like, this is yummy. Like, oh, that's great. <laughs> that's really great. My kids like it too, actually. They like it when we put it into like a groove, into coleslaw. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, crunchy, so it, it has a nice taste. And like the feeling that... The you can slice it real thin and bake it like chips. That the kids get and that the, the teachers are getting from it. It's just, it's such a gift. Like we're so, you know, our society is, is set up for convenience in so many ways, but... Every problem you solve, it seems you create a different problem, right? right? And the problem that we create now is that people are consumers and they're not creators, right? Creating is so satisfying. So you just can't compare something that you had a role in creating as opposed to something that you just bought. Yeah. No, it's true. Is there anything else that's, like, huge that's really impacting you that you've switched to? Have you stopped using paper towels or... Um, cut back on Chad Pami or what have you done like is there anything you know anything what I'm else? working on now which I think is rather revolutionary for yeah Jewish tell me wife, is that I'm trying to get rid of aluminum foil oh that's a hard one it's I'm really, still working really on that like who can make a Shabbos chicken without aluminum foil so I actually have a reusable silicone baking sheet yeah. that goes onto the um, sheets that go into the oven and it gets it gets washed in the dishwasher what, you put it on top of your chicken no, no, no. Um, like when I bake I, a chicken, I always cover it with aluminum foil. No, I Actually, I, bake I cover it, it with open. Paper, baking paper first and then aluminum foil because they say aluminum foil is very... Aluminum foil is really not healthy, healthy. for you. Right, you don't but want it touching put, your chicken. I coat the aluminum pan, like the one that comes with my oven, yeah. the baking sheet, in uh, with a silicone um, cover, mm-hmm. a reusable silicone cover, and I bake the chicken open. I make a whole chicken and I bake it open. If you're worried about like moisture loss, you can just... Bake it slow and low for like a long time. And potatoes would roast at the same time. Oh yeah, the potatoes roast. I make the sweet potatoes at the same time. But well, what I'm doing is also I'm, I'm investing in Dutch ovens. Okay. Which I've never had. In fact, I never saw one in my entire life. Do you want to explain what a Dutch oven is? Because maybe some exactly. people don't I didn't, know. Growing up, I never saw one. Um, but basically, it's like a giant. It's like a cross between a pot and a pan. Right? Yeah. Um, but it's like a big pot with handles and it's a lid. It's heavy. It has a heavy. It's bottom. very heavy. Yeah. I don't know what's made out of cast iron. I'm not sure. Um, some of them are cast iron with like porcelain linings. Yeah, what and do you the have lid that fits on nicely. And then you you can cho- you can cook it. Just stick the chicken in there. Yeah. Or whatever you're roasting. If you yeah. want that roasted feel. Yeah. Right. Um, and then and cover it. Actually, the flavor is amazing. It's really moist and good, and like it's not aluminum, and um, I just I really want to use less of that stuff. What do you have an Israeli brand? Pot. Okay. In America, you can get the La Crusette pots. They're a French brand. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very expensive, but actually, if you want one, you can also go to Macy's, and the Martha Stewart brand um, makes them for less money. I like to tell people like where yeah, they can totally. actually pick things up, since most of the listeners are not in Israel. But actually, also, if you're in Israel, um, Fox Home makes them, too. Um, and they're not as good quality as the La Crusette. Um and stores like Legat Be'ochel, you can find the La Crusettes here in Israel, but mm-hmm. they're really, ex- really expensive. So, um, and they're also not something that's so easy to bring over because they do weigh a lot. So it'll take up most of the bulk of your weight in your yeah, suitcase if you bring it over. Um, <laughs> but stop. In, in the U.S., you can get them pretty reasonably priced from Macy's um, um, and a Bed Bath & Beyond. Let me tell you, like, the few times when I've had to cook in aluminum pans yeah. on Shabbos, like the Shabbos chicken, is, you just it's can't good, It right? doesn't cook properly yeah. in, those, in those throwaway pans. It's yeah. like, I always feel horrible about using them as well, and then you just toss them. 
You're like, wow, that came out of the earth. And, and what about I'm the like, cleanup for okay. using the Dutch oven? Well, I mean, a scouring pad, a really good one is your best friend. There's good ones and not so good ones. That's true. <laughs> but I'd, I hear you. Like, it is easier. You know, here in Israel, a lot of people, maybe most people, they, what they do is they put this, this sheet of plastic down on their Shabbos table and they yeah. use all disposables and then at the end of Shabbos they just roll They roll the it. table. We do that up. in America too. Roll it up. Okay, good. I haven't spent so much time there, so yeah. I don't know. And then, like you said, on Moti Shabbos and Moti Yantu, when you go out to the garbage, people, I guess they miss the bin <laughs> or the bin overflow. Or, or just too full because there. there's so much. Yeah. Or like they sent their seven-year-old to throw it out and they got distracted along yeah. the way and it never quite made it to the actual right. trash can. Right? So... <laughs> um, and then I feel like you just see the remains of people's Yontov Suda just scat. It's just so disrespectful, I feel like. It just feels like so, like that was Kadusha, and now it's just disgusting garbage yeah. that people like. But also, I feel like you on. see how much food people really waste, and that's huge. Are you guys more careful about food waste? I, I really don't like wasting food. I, I, I don't know what to say. I would like to have better ways to get rid of it maybe when we're composting again but while we had pet chickens that was fantastic oh yeah we had chickens unfortunately they, they didn't last oh, really? they, they got eaten oh, really? we thought we made a really secure coop but we need to work on our building process we had great great eggs i wrote a blog post about that actually on my blog about my uh my chicken adventures and it was great and they ate everything we never wasted a drop of food it was just like yeah yeah that was fantastic but yeah. we didn't have them here in this little apartment Okay, but um, you can get them again in your new house. <laughs> One day, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yes, I do feel I do feel badly about it. You know what? I see a lot as well here in Israel. People don't like to throw out bread. It's like an idea you don't throw out bread, right? Really? So what they do is okay. they, they leave it on the edge of the garbage can instead, which I don't know what they think is going to happen to it. It's just going to go when the trash can comes. I'll just throw it out anyway. But I guess they don't want to be the person that puts it in the bin. Uh-huh. Right? Well, a so lot of people we, leave their leftovers for the cats. Well, yeah, I don't know if cats eat bread. Maybe really starving cats would eat I don't know. bread. I don't, I don't know. know. But we use it to feed the birds. We make bird feeders, and um, especially in the winter when there's not much food around, we always have beautiful birds sitting on our windowsill. We know them by name. <laughs> I mean, That's funny. Kind of, um, they visit us a lot. In the summer, they don't come, I think, because they have a lot of other food. Hmm. Yeah. So, ladies... Um, Naomi, you've been a really great sport, and I really appreciate you telling us all about um, the Shomra and what you do and your personal growth and your personal story. Um, I hope that this has been an extra inspiring time for everybody listening. Um, if you have any questions, um, Naomi, can people reach you? Absolutely. How can they reach you? Well, I mean, the Shomra. Oh, the Shomra, you yeah. Can reach me by email, too. Okay. Um, Naomi at lashomra.org. Lashomra.org is our website. It's L-E-S-H-O-M-R-A. Lashomra.org. And, and I'm Naomi at lashomra.org. But, or you can just Google us or me. Okay. Um, and I'll um, post a link actually on balagambigon forward slash AK for everybody to uh, see the website if for those of you who have access to the internet. Um, if you uh, contact me, or if you look at our website, you'll just see pictures there. Like, I don't think anybody believes what we're doing until they see it. When they see those beautiful Yoshami children cleaning up their neighborhoods and growing their own watermelons, that's when they believe this is real. Yeah, it's totally so, real, and it's awesome. you got to see it to believe it. Um, I'll just say I had one question this week about um, if people could contact me via text message, that that might be 
um, a better way to reach me. And if you want to text message me, that's totally fine. My U.S. number is 917-549-0910. Please, when you text message me, say you're calling from Akira Savayas and your name and where you are so that I know and I can... Uh, just sort of be more organized about my text messages. Um, as usual, you can email me at uh, Rebecca at BalaganBegon.com, Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, or you can just check out the website. Um, leave me a voicemail if you have questions. I appreciate all the um, support I got from everybody last week. And um, for our next session, I will definitely answer all the questions I've been getting, and we've had some really, really great questions. Um, over the next few weeks, I'll be traveling, so I'm going to be front-loading or pre-recording my um, episodes. And um, if I don't get to your question right away, don't worry. I'm going to get to it. I, I'm going to do my best, Bezrat Hashem, to answer every single question that comes across my voicemail email. However it comes to me, carrier pigeon. Um, <laughs> um, so just sit tight. I promise I'm going to do my best, Bezrat Hashem, to answer all the questions. It just might be two or three episodes down the line. So um, stay tuned. And thank you for listening today to episode 22 as always i'm wishing you all an organized week and hoping that you'll all remember that hashem keeps you organized just repeat it as a mantra hashem keeps me organized have a great day